Thank you for joining with us for another episode of Morning Briefings here on the Pipeline Intercession for the President and on our podcast. If you have any dreams that you have about the office of the president, please send them to pip at christiancentershreveport.com. We're so thankful that you all have joined in with us on this prayer journey, and we look forward to standing with you not only today, but in the days ahead. So with that, we'll go ahead and join today's broadcast as we talk about the news and stand on the wall for this nation and the office of the president. Good morning, good morning, everyone. Zach Arskaden coming to you live from North Carolina. And today, I just want to thank each and every one of you for following along. Let you guys know, be paying attention to both Facebook and Rumble chat. So if you have any questions, thoughts, concerns, prayer points, uh, let me know where you guys are from on both Facebook and Rumble. Uh, I see Ms. Karen and Sharon and Matthew and, and Ms. Glenda are all here. Thank you, Jeff, for following along. So today we want to continue along in the story of Josiah in 2 Kings 22 and look at part of the interactions of this story of Josiah. We mentioned it briefly a little bit yesterday, but I want to start in verse 11 where when the book of the law was brought out to Josiah at the time of the restoration of the temple, and we're seeing here that once um, the priest Hilkiah gave the book and read the book in the present and read it in the presence of the king, that the king, we see here in verse 11, when the king heard the words of the book, he tore his clothes. And that's a representation of an act of repentance. You tear the clothes, sackcloth, mourning, and so that's what he does. And then we go on to see, uh, then the king commanded Hilkiah the priest, Ahiakim uh, the son of Saphon, um, Akbar the son of Bichbah, Shaphan the scribe, and Isaiah the king's servant, saying, Go inquire of the Lord for me and the people of all Judea concerning the words of this book that has been found, for great is the wrath of the Lord that burns against us, because our fathers have not listened to the words of this book to do according to all that is written concerning us. Then he goes on to the Lord talking about how, but the king, um, talking about how, because, regarding the words which you have heard, because the Lord, this is the Lord, because your heart was tender and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I spoke against this place and against its inhabitants, that they should become a desolation and a curse, and you have torn your clothes and wept before me. I truly have heard you, declares the Lord. Therefore, behold, I will gather you to your, your fathers, and you will be gathered to your grave in peace, and your eyes will not see all the evil which I will bring on this place. So they brought back the word to the king. And it just shows the reverence of heart that Josiah had for what the Lord um, spoke through the word. And the prayer point Chuck points out for this, he says, even though the Bible does not record that Josiah was personally involved in any disobedience to the Lord, he, Josiah, ultimately humbled himself and repented for the actions of his forefathers. Today, we would call this identificational repentance. Like Josiah, humble yourself and repent for personal and corporate actions 
contrary to God's plan. And we've been talking about this, and and, and that's why we repent for things um, from this administration. And, and while we will repent for some things the president said last night, hopefully, as Daniel is also an example of that. Josiah is not the only example of someone to do this identificational repentance. Uh, Daniel, and Daniel uh, in the story 9 and 10, of just repenting upon repenting for the sins of the nation, the sins of the people, because of the promises of the Lord and or, in this instance, the judgment of the Lord. And so, here we see the expressed comfort, if you want to say say that, um, desire of the Lord to see us turn back towards the Father. And um, with everything going on in this nation, where you have believers standing up, just just speak on this, believers standing up for the right for abortion, is that is a call for repentance continually until the hearts and minds of, uh, of the believers who say they stand for the Father get changed. That's where we want to bring about heaven down to earth. And so when we, we see these examples, and abortion is just one example, uh, of even other issues of, you know, same-sex marriage, LGBTQ in issues, and, and other issues as well. The five foundations is a starter, and then building upon there. Now, with that being said, of remembering God's promises, we see in Israel that upwards of 95% of the um, voting uh, ballots have been counted, and the results that I mentioned yesterday, the 65 seats for the Netanyahu bloc, the 45 for the liberal, and the 10 for the Arab, are looking pretty strong and standing there for the outcome of the Israeli elections. There, again, I mentioned, as the news was mentioning, a possibility of something happening in the north with the Arab vote of ballot stuffing, but it looks like the police got there and really figured things out very quickly about what happened and stopped anything that, what if there was anything happening from going on further. Now, will there be another recount, etc.? Maybe. Also, Netanyahu has a, um, decision and has to still form a government. There's been promises, and so, possibility um most likely he'll he'll be able to form a government as he made promises before uh, the election and the vote actually took place so good news there um for israel and the rest of the world and so we'll see uh what happens there as far as the now uh, reaction from the rest of the world. Does the UN continue with its push to try to possibly denuclearize Israel? Um, what happens with the U.S. Uh, pushing for and the Biden administration pushing for the uh, getting back into the Iran nuclear deal? Does Netanyahu blow that up? Um, hopefully, um, does other actions in, involving Israel and the Ukraine um, build stronger relations? Etc. Uh, Etc. Et there. So there's a lot that could come out of this. And now with Netanyahu building a new government, um, it's something to pay attention to and pray for. And it's a a 
I, a relief to see a strong leader come back in the world, especially for the nation of Israel in this time of increased warfare as Iran has um, Iran leaders have been promising attacks towards not only the United States, Saudi Arabia, but Israel. Again, what does that really mean? How far are they willing to go? We're seeing their involvement in the Russia-Ukraine spat war. And so now, for Israel's sake, they have a leader strong enough to stand up to what is going on and positive for that as, again, all intents and purposes, we're going to follow this. 95% of the vote has been um, verified. And so Netanyahu is looking like he will most likely start to form his coalition and, and the, all aspects of everybody involved are saying he wants to form it quickly so that he can get back up at the ground and running and make sure that this turmoil, topsy-turvy government in Israel pretty much comes to an end and there's some, some form of stability in the land of Israel. Okay, moving on to domestic issues, but paying attention to the story around the Fed possibly uh, raising interest rates. Yesterday, uh, Federal Chair Jerome came out and said that, yes, they will approve a point, a three-quarters, 0.75 point uh, percentage hike in the um, federal interest rates. And so now it's, quote-unquote, the highest since 2008, where now you're seeing even mortgage rates jump to um, as high as 7%. Um, again, this is not as nearly as high as it was in the 70s and 80s. And so, no, we can survive this. The reality of this is looking forward of what's to happen next. Uh, if you've seen the key points of this article from MSNBC, um, we see that the, it says the central bank's new statement hinted at potential change in how it will approach monetary policy to bring down inflation. There's rumors, again, of slowing down, uh, increasing interest rates, but and again, until in inflation comes down significantly, they're going to continue to raise interest rates. Um, Fed Chair Powell talked about he dismissed the idea that the Fed may be pausing soon, though he said he expects a discussion at the next meeting or two about slowing the pace. Again, they're going to talk about it as they've been talking about it, but they, have, they keep raising it because, uh, well... Um, Inflation is still 8.2%, 8 8.6% um, and rising. The European banks put out last week that they were at 10.7%, and then they just raised um, their interest rates today at 0.75%. So, um, and, and at the same time, Powell also reiterated that there may come a time to slow the pace uh, of rate increases, but ultimately now is not the time. And the this is... This is a interesting play out of what happens when people try to control markets and try to control interest rates. And, and rather than dealing with bad actors and realizing that just handing out, in one instance, student loans to people who are getting underwater basket weaving degrees, now the gender studies degrees, are bad for not only themselves but society at large. Um, it brings about just a coddling of the mind of the American youth, number one, but then also puts them in positions to not be functional human beings for society because they're pushing an agenda rather than actually 
creating a product that is useful to be produced. And we saw that with the last GDP reports where you actually, when you take out trade and imports, you have a 0.1% of production being produced within the United States over this last quarter. So with all that being said, again, the, the, the blessing that the Lord has given us is that he's been preparing us for this season of being in a position to be out of debt, in a position to have cash. If you have the ability, uh, we got the question the other day of should we pay off our home? Yes, absolutely. Um, the, the money you supposedly save on the tax write-off of your, your interest is not anywhere close to the amount of taxes you'll just have to pay to the IRS. Um, on average, the property tax bill around the United States is around $2,500 a year. If you're paying a mortgage, you're paying on average $10,000 or more a year, and that will be your write-off. Um, at the end of the day, if you're spending $10,000 compared to $2,500, it's really you're having – the money you would have to spend on taxes would be one quarter versus an actual dollar going for your mortgage. Um, so it would be, in the long run, beneficial for you to go ahead and just pay off your house if you have the ability to, if not. Um, yes, keep paying. I'm in that position. Um, but we're trying to get out of that position as well. So with that being said, that's where we're at economically. Now we want to get to the comments made by the President of the United States. These, again, were very disconcerting, very alarming statements made by the President. Um, the second time he's made such a, a, a statement and really something we just want to repent for, for the divisiveness, um, for creating a stir towards emotion rather than, you know, being the uniting president that he claims he wants to be. I'm just holding him to his words. And so he, he talked about how um, there will be those who are uh, election deniers who are going to cause problems and who are up for, for election this time around. Uh, talking about um, and really talking down towards Donald Trump and the MAGA and really Republicans in general uh, and, and talking about the attack on uh, Paul Pelosi, which still is yet to be fully determined. Um, I mean, I, it's hard to believe any report that's out there unless, you know, unlike what the local officials who are refusing to release body cam and refusing to release the police call and refusing the the Capitol police are refusing to even admit that they have video evidence of what happened even though they had cameras on the property which there's a lot of questions to pose there um, we don't know what was said we don't know what was involved so anything that is said is really questionable at this point um, and then he talked about how President Trump has fueled the dangers, the dangerous rise in political violence and voter intimidation over the past two years. Um, talking about the lies of conspiracy and malice, lies repeated over and over that generated a cycle of anger, hate, and vitriol, and even violence. Again, this has to be proved. He's talking generic, um, but again, stoking fears upon people. And so we just we want to repent for. These divisive words from the president ahead of the midterms to stoke fears of people and, and really pray for, as we have been over the last couple weeks, months, for the voters to be able to discern clearly and hear the heart of the Father on a lot of these issues and vote based upon biblical moral values. 
And so it's quite alarming to see the president say these things, um, just come in, come out um, and attack again over half, around half of the country um, on some of these issues and even some people who have questions about some of the, the, the things that are going on. Not dealing with the issues uh, of that are affecting people, but just blaming um, this this issue around the the discrepancies of the last election. And this shows again that if Trump does want to run for president in twenty twenty four, he has to let go of what happened in twenty twenty. It's it's too late at this point. He has to let go. Victor Davis Hanson talks about that. If Trump will just let this go. He could possibly have a chance. If not, he's going to um, have problems moving forward. Now, it's kind of dark and gloomy, but some good things have happened over the last um, several days. And I want to report on this because we've been following this. We talked about this a little bit yesterday with the issue that you have Department of Homeland Security, um, other offices within the government who were at talks with working with big tech twitter facebook etc how they even still have a portal up and running a judge in um i want to make sure i get this right i I believe in texas uh came out and blocked uh the Biden administration's attempt to block depositions of high officials in top officials within the Biden administration. And so this is good news for letting people know what the reality is happening. Obviously, and the judge involved is Judge Cherry Doty, a Trump appointed and who ultimately rejected a request for a partial stay of his October 21st order authorizing the depositions of eight officials, including President Joe Biden's chief medical advisor, Dr. Anthony Fauci, the Surgeon General, um, Cyber and Security Infrastructure Agency Director Gene Easterly, who we talked about yesterday, uh, and Rob Flaherty, a Deputy Assistant to the President, and there are other people involved. And so this is good. Um, this is the case where hopefully something can come out and let people know. The reality of this would be that this would kind of handcuff the administration from doing something like this now. Maybe with the new Congress, you can have a law put in place to prevent something like this from happening. And then with the next president, hopefully, um, whoever that person may be, to really just cut this off um, at the head and, and prevent something like this from occurring in the future. Because this is this is called crony capitalism at its finest. And there are those who of libertarian mindset who said, oh, just let let the free markets do, and whatever happens, happens, so be it, so be it. Well, the problem is, is you have corrupt actors who get involved, um, and you have corrupt corporations who get involved to try to push an agenda and, and go a certain way, and you're seeing the ramifications of this. And so this is where having a balance of power is very huge, Um and why the founders put it in place to begin with. Um, also, a big race to pray for that could really haven't been talking about it a lot. Um, we've been highlighting some of the races, uh, but this one is kind of going unnoticed and could sway the outcome of the entire Senate. Is the race here in North Carolina with uh, former 
North Carolina Supreme Court Head Justice Sherry Beasley and State Representative Ted Budd, who is taking a Glenn Youngkin approach to the politics. He's accepted Trump's endorsement, but he's really focusing on the issues. He He's not getting out off of his skis onto the issues that President Biden was talking about. He's staying focused on crime within the region, with which unfortunately Sherry Beasley has um, allowed certain criminals of a higher magnitude to be released from jail. That's her policy. She's not ashamed of it. Uh, obviously, she supports abortion, unfortunately, and he's he he has signed on to possibly have a national abortion ban. And so he's standing on the right issues. He's speaking out. But this is a very close race. You have both Mitch McConnell and Chuck Schumer throwing money hand over fist into this race after leaving New Hampshire and Arizona. They feel like this is somebody that they can get. Both of these candidates are people that they can get behind. Uh, I mean, money and commercials. I was watching the World Series last night, and um, it's just commercial. All the commercials are here in North Carolina, especially in Raleigh, are just Political campaign, political campaign, political campaign. I, it's been like this before, but it's, it's there's like no other commercial. It's just political campaign ads, and that's it. No car commercials, no nothing. Just this. I I, I don't remember it ever being this bad in my entire life. Um, obviously, I am, am very uh, young, and so maybe I'm just not remembering. But I just feel like it's it's. The momentum here is increasing. The spiritual battle is ever increasing. So if you needed, uh, didn't have enough to pray for, uh, this race here in North Carolina is very um, contentious to say the least and could really determine um, those seats as it looks like Republicans, if the polls are correct, will only get 51, 52 seats. And so every seat counts here. Um, and for biblical moral values on these issues, um, the, the, the outline is very clear of what these candidates will stand for and do stand for and will vote for and push for in the days ahead. So uh, one of those races to be fully aware of and um, pay attention to and pray for over the last week. As early voting has started this week and will end, um, I believe, on Saturday and then obviously the election day on Tuesday. Okay, and some other good news. We're seeing that another federal judge has uh, enacted a unusual task uh, that is allowed, if deemed uh, um, available, which is that a federal judge, um, this one I know in Texas, to fast basically fast track the decision on one of the cases involving the president's executive order to have student loan forgiveness go into effect. And the U.S. District Judge Mark Pittman basically says he's heard and he understands the argument presented before him and that there doesn't need to be a case. And so he's giving both parties, both sides of the case, the opportunity to dispute or challenge to see if he wants if they want to go forward with it 
And this is the case involving the Job Creators Network and um, the Biden administration. So basically what he's saying is, I know how I'm going to rule on this. And he probably knows this will most likely end up to the Supreme Court no matter how he decides is somebody will appeal it saying this wasn't heard correctly and it'll go to the, the higher circuit court. And then it will ultimately be decided at the Supreme Court. And so if both parties agree to allowing him to just go ahead and rule on it, then he'll rule and then it'll get appealed on a go higher case. Um, you have several legal analysts, Alan Dershowitz even being one of them, saying it's um, not out of the realm of authority for them, but he did say that ultimately that it is rare um, for the judge to go forward. Um, and, and ultimately, he has given the two sides a chance to object to his strategy. So um, this would be something in the fact of this is positive and something to pray for of the fast track of making sure of holding the Biden administration accountable on this case. Um, Because all intents and purposes, they're very aware that the act that they did was unconstitutional. It has no bearing on the national security of this nation, whether student loan forgiveness is actually enacted. Um, It more so harms people, especially at the time of high inflation. And so this is going to have to be played out in the courts, unfortunately. And you have to have judges and lawyers who are going to argue this case properly to show that there needs to be a separation of powers and an act of Congress for something like this to occur. Now, another Golden Court case, which I just found out about this one, I think this is one we'll be following, that has bigger ramifications that people, I think, really understand. And it's the case of Axon versus the Federal Trade Commission, where Axon is challenging the Supreme Court's rule of the 1935 case, Humphrey's Executor versus the U.S., where they're challenging the authority of basically the alphabet soup and organizations like the FTC, where they are in their eyes, deemed to have uh, quasi-legislative and quasi-judicial powers and to basically be judge, jury, and executioner. And so this uh, company, Axon, is challenging in the Supreme Court, before the Supreme Court, about the authority that the FTC has on being judge, jury, and executioner, um... In the case, Axon was looking to um, purchase and merge with a competitor, to say the least, and the FTC got involved, got an investigation, millions and millions of dollars, hurting the business. Axon ultimately said, fine, we'll drop it after racking up a million dollars of legal fees. FTC said, no, you can't do that. It's too late. We got you. We're going after you, and so you have to stay and fight this, and figure this out and what they're doing is going to the the supreme court and saying look this ftc doesn't have the authority to do this and we want to prove this here that they want the ability to within the the court systems to be able to exercise the power to have a separation of powers here And, and the president has a separation of powers they have to abide by the laws that are on the books um, so does Congress, so does the courts, etc. That's why you have the three branches of government. 
and the way the FCC has been acting over history is that whatever they deem is is right that they go after they do they establish um, all the cases that they the FTC hears within and even the SEC um, they're stating in this article talks about it in 2014 the SEC won every case in its internal court but only um, prevail in 61% of its cases before the federal courts meaning that a lot sometimes what the sec does internally privately behind closed doors that nobody has a say in isn't always um accurate and when you go to the federal courts it shows out there and so this is a huge golden court case that i think people need to be aware of in making sure that there is a balance of power and this is in the national review and the writers of this uh Jessica McGullen and Mario Loyola, who are um, senior fellows and people who work at a organization called uh, the Competitive Enterprise Institute. And so they point out a very big case that could really deal with the swamp. And this is one of those things that is boring, but this is one of those things that could really challenge the way DC is run and really put on display some of publicly some of the things that have been going on behind closed doors for quite some time and this is just a little small company doing its constitutional right part to stand up and try to have a hearsay within the court system of the challenges that be in place and part of the article talks about how even at a time where the economy is on the downslide you need the government to get out of the way as companies fail and companies will need to conglomerate to be able to keep some jobs open and available and keep the economy running rather than having to fight court cases because the government deems something on their merit um, not actual legal merit um, legal or illegal and so this is this is a great case to pray for um, definitely going to follow this one to see how this goes as it, it has entered in before the supreme court and see how the the, the court rules on this this will be a very important case um, not only now but in the future to push back against totalitarian regimes um, that are actually totalitarian regimes and not just by voting democrat are we resisting the quote-unquote fascism that is out there in America that we ultimately, words we want to repent from, from this administration. Uh, so blessings to each and every one of you. Um, hopefully today can be just a day uh, uh, of thankfulness as we get closer towards the end of this political season and people can get back to being focused um, on other issues besides just the voting and stand up and actually implement laws that are standing up for righteousness and so we want to just continue to stand on this wall praying for this nation and the office of the president so blessings and i will see you guys tomorrow have a good one